Please listen carefully. Everybody, so this is a podcast that was actually recorded in the spring of 2021, and we are releasing uh, just now. And we're going to be going through some backlog of uh, some recorded podcasts that we did. This one is with Tim Trainer, who is a product manager for Whoop. Uh, Whoop is a wearable device that measures things like strain, which we'll talk about. HRV, recovery, and sleep, and we talk about what Whoop is, how it's different than other fitness trackers out there, and how you can use it in your life. If you're interested in getting a Whoop and supporting Kana, then you can go to join.whoop.com slash Kana, K-A-N-N-A, and you can get $30 off your membership. So without further ado, here is Tim Trainer with Whoop. All right, guys. So today I have Tim Trainer, who is... Um, who works for Whoop? What, what's your uh, official title? So, program manager, community okay. and affiliate. Okay, perfect. So, uh, Tim and I got connected when uh, we were looking uh, for Kana Fitness to become um, an affiliate of Whoop, uh, and I'll explain that towards the end of, of how that works. But basically, we I've heard about Whoop for years. Um, I've known several people that have used Whoop, and um, you know, more than a few months ago, I, I got my own, and I'm loving the data from it. So I wanted to bring Tim on to basically use this to explain what Whoop is, uh, explain why some of you might want to use it in your daily life, and what you can do with the data to improve your lifestyle. So Tim, why don't you uh, maybe just give a little bit of background uh, for yourself, uh, like where you grew up, what what you did athletically, and and maybe le- all leading to how you came to work for Whoop. Sure. Yeah. I guess, uh, how much time do you have? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, um, <laughs> I had been obviously, you know, been a sports sports person my whole life. I played my, uh, sport I played the most growing up was soccer, um, played throughout high school and then, um, kind of stopped when you go to college and focus on other things. But, um, I originally landed in corporate America, like immediately after graduating college, Um, I had known for a really long time, like fitness was a passion of mine. And I was like, really, really interested in becoming any sort of like fitness coach. Um, and so I dipped my toe in the water there as I was working in corporate America, right after I was done college, um, and opportunity presented itself for me to coach full time. So I was actually able to coach full time at a strength conditioning facility for, um, I want to say five years or so, uh, five or six years. And I continue to do, continue to do that now. Um, but you know, I, I got really heavily involved in competing in CrossFit, um, made it to regionals a few times on a team, um, two separate teams. And, um, my husband now actually, he went to the games, um, with the, uh, uh, back Bay team in 2015. Oh, cool. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, cause you're up in Boston. We're in Boston yep. Yep. Um, and that's where whoop HQ is too. So we're actually whoop HQ is right next to Fenway park. Nobody's really there right now, but, um, that's where, that's where we're located. Right. <laughs> uh, but we're all working from home. As you can see, I'm in the spare bedroom of our house. Um, but yeah, I mean, whoop, um, uh, was, was a product that I was introduced to in, um, 2000, late 2016, which is actually when Whoop went to market. Um, and it was, you know, 
CrossFit was just like the biggest, coolest thing at the time, you know, and um, got on Whoop, was on it for about a year and a half. And I ended up coaching um, one of the VPs. I ended up coaching one of her um, family members. And we were just chatting about Whoop. I was talking about my experience and what I do for work and all of that stuff. And it, um, it ultimately landed me a position uh, of being able to get hired at Whoop. And so I've been here June of 2000, 2019. June 2019 is when I started. Very cool. Yeah. So Whoop, from what I understand, was founded by Will Ahmed. And uh, it was all because he was at Harvard playing squash. And it sounded like he was curious about his own performance. Mm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about kind of that orange origin story of like, um, obviously you can't speak for Will, right. but I'm sure you, you're steeped well enough in in how basically Whoop came about. Yeah. Um, because at the time, from what I understand, Fitbit was just coming up and becoming huge. Um, but Whoop seemed to go a very different direction mm -hmm. than a lot of these other trackers, mm -hmm. namely step trackers. So uh, maybe talk about the origin story of Whoop itself and then also how it differentiates itself from uh, some of these other trackers out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, yeah, obviously I can't speak for Will, but I do have a, a little bit of an understanding of, of you know how exactly it all went down. Um, so like you said, Will Ahmed, our founder and CEO, um, from Harvard University was a big squash player. Um, originally, so from what I understand about how Whoop kind of got off the ground was there, I think in sports in general, um, there tends to be this like go, go, go mentality, push through everything. Um, pushing through is always better. And I think what Will was really, really trying to get across to everybody is, you know, recovery is important and making sure that, you know, maybe pulling back and taking a more like holistic high level view of like every piece of what's going on in your training and your sport um, and not necessarily overtraining a lot, right? Overtraining a lot leads to burnout, leads to you know, injury leads to a lot of negative things. And if you're able to focus on not burning out and not overtraining, and if you're on whoop now, you know, not being in the red all the time, um, you know, that, that leads to just a more successful career in literally whatever capacity career means for you. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean, mean sport for everybody. It could mean being a mom or a dad. It could mean being a corporate America employee. Um, it could mean being a teacher. Like all of, all of these things require us to be better performing individuals, better performing humans, right? And so um, the cool thing about Whoop is that it can be relatable to, to all facets of life. Um, I think... I get this question a lot actually um, in relation to Fitbit, but also like the Apple watch, right? Like why, why should I buy a whoop? Why should I get a whoop when, you know, I could do something like an Apple watch or I have an Apple watch or I have a Fitbit, like why do I need to switch? Um, so I think they're, they're two, they're two very different things. And actually we did put out a, um, a locker post recently about, you know, why whoop does not count steps. Um, and I think that's important, right? So like, at the end of the day, you walked or moved around a certain amount, right? 
And that's great. Movement is medicine, right? Like just moving your body, like we're supposed to be active people. But at the end of the day, how does tracking steps determine how healthy you are, right? Or how how well you're going to perform as a human, right? I think that's something like important to understand. Whoop is basically a coach that you can wear that'll help you determine how your behaviors are trending positively or negatively in literally all aspects of your life, in stress and anxiety, in sleep, in recovery, in cardiovascular load, like all of those things, they're all intertwined in your central nervous system and they all play a factor in how, how you are performing as a human. Um, so I think that kind of answers the Fitbit question in terms of Apple watch, which I get a ton of, um, when I talk to people externally, um, I mean, accuracy is one thing to talk about, right? We've been third party validated, um, and all that stuff lives on our website too. Like anybody can look it up, but, um, I think, you know, the, the biggest difference between, the Apple Watch and Whoop is Whoop was designed for the sole purpose of this data. Um, Apple Watch kind of, you know, added on all the health stuff on top of their main product, which is, which is basically mm-hmm. the face and messaging and mm-hmm. games and apps and things like that, right? Like Whoop is is not supposed to be another distraction that you wear. It's, it's an app that lives on your phone and you're meant to kind of like forget about that you wore it and then only look at the app when you need to, right? It's not something that should just totally consume your life in terms of always in your face. Um, and, and, you know, Apple, Apple built a great product, but um, in terms of like Whoop, Whoop's sole purpose is to help us with strain recovery and sleep and this data around, you know, being a better performing human um, and really knowing yourself where, you know, Apple has all the bells and whistles kind of all rolled into one, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, going back to like steps, like, you know, a step, steps for 10,000 steps for one person is going to be uh, uh, relative versus another person. Right. Like a, a 10,000 steps to a ultra marathoner is nothing. Right. Uh, but the way that you guys use strain is uh, automatically creates this language around um, variability from person to person in terms of you could take the same amount of work, but the amount of strain it puts on a person's body is going to be different depending on who they are, their experiences, their training and everything, which we, I mean, we know that from CrossFit because <laughs> you, you know, two people can do the same type of workout <laughs> and get very feel very, very differently. Very different, right? uh, endings, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that completely makes sense. But I have to imagine that Will, especially, and then as you know, he he brought on more people onto the team. You know, it was um, it, it, it went against a lot of these trackers because a lot of these trackers measure work, right? Whereas Whoop, to me, it seems like you guys are very focused on more of the recovery side of things. So I mean, you guys do measure strain, obviously, because that's important. Mm-hmm. But it definitely plays to the bigger part of 
recovery and sleep because if we're looking at strain recovery sleep recovery and sleep are two of the two out of three major factors that you guys are taking into account which makes sense because as we know especially from crossfit workouts or really any intense workout right even if you're working out for an hour that's only four percent of anyone's day you know if you're sleeping for an ideal eight hours or whatever it is for you that's a third right Mm -hmm. and so this emphasis on recovery at the time in 2016, I'm sure it was very against the grain, um, or at least unknown. Versus now, I think a lot of people have come around to that idea of like, hey, you can train as much as you want, but you also have to recover uh, based on your training. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so let's let's go through those ma- those three major areas. Maybe uh, let's let's talk about strain, recovery, and sleep sure. because each of those has their own little details. So strain is measured. You guys measure it from zero to twenty one, mm-hmm. I think, on a scale. Yeah. Uh, but it's not necessarily linear. So exactly. can you talk about that scale? Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. So we measure strain on a scale of zero to twenty one. Exactly like you said, it's it's um, based off of the Borg scale of complete exertion. Um, and one way that I kind of describe this as you know, it's based off of cardiovascular load, like how much stress are you putting on your body? Um, and the cool thing about whoop is that it's not necessarily just external stress. Like if you have a really tough day, emotionally anxiety, stress, like it basically that type of day is basically you above baseline in terms of at rest, right? Like your heart is, is, is going to be elevated during that state of being. Um, and all of that, all of the types of stressors will be picked up by whoop. Um, so even on a day, you know, let's say I'm running a ton of errands in between meetings. Um, I have a few really tough conversations, you know, at work, um, really stressful day, um, didn't work out at all, but you know, my whoop might tell me like, damn, like you worked really hard today. And in my head, I'm like, well, I didn't. But in the back of your mind, if you think about your day, you did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so strain is is a great correlation between those two internal and external stress. So who picks up on all of that type? Um, the nonlinear pieces is really interesting. So whoop is also, and as, as we talk about the three different pillars, it's important to know that they're all kind of playing off of each other, right? So I say Whoop is a coach for you that you can wear, right? So there's actually a strain coach built into Whoop that will say, you know, based on your recovery of, let's say 90%, that's a great recovery score. Let's say I woke up in 90% today. My strain coach is going to say, hey, based off of your 90% strain, I mean, 90% recovery score today, you should build to, you know, X amount of day strain to achieve optimal performance for the day, right? So my whoop already knows like on an average day, how much I usually push myself and how much I usually do in terms of strain. Um, and so it's going to, it's going to give me some, some metrics to hit for that day, which is really cool. So there's no guesswork. There's no, like, there's no waking up and being like, well, you know, should where strain coach is going to give you a benchmark and you can either hit it or not hit it. You know, it's totally fine. Um, you know, it's never the, the end all be all, but it's a great guidance and it's a great coaching tool. Um, the nonlinear piece, again, is, you know, the more strain you accumulate throughout the day, the harder it's going to be to accumulate a little bit more. So if we break it down from like zero to 20, for example, and we go zero to five is the easiest, five to 10 is going to be double as hard, 
10 to 15 is going to be triple as hard and 15 to 20 will be quadruple as hard, meaning it's just going to take more effort to build strain on top of strain as you try to close that circle in your, in your app. Um, another piece of strain is, you know, if you and I say you and I were the same, everything like down to the same genetics and fitness level, um, and you and I woke up and we did the exact same day, wake up to finish. And I woke up with a 90% recovery score. Really great. You woke up with a 10% recovery score. Not so great. Um, at the end of the day, my strain score is going to be a lot lower than your strain score. Because when you're when you wake up and your recovery score is really good, your body is basically telling you you're primed and ready to take on anything that's coming your way. And so it's basically saying you're going to have to work a little harder to earn those strain points, right? If you wake up in the red with a not great recovery score, like I mentioned that 10%, your body is not ready to take on all of that strain, right? So it's going to, it's going to accumulate strain really quickly. And it's going to say, well, probably a little earlier in your day. All right. You've hit, you've hit your optimal for today. Like anything over this is going to be overachieving, right? So it's just, it, it gives you that, that great benchmarker and referencing back to your recovery score. Yeah. And this makes sense because from, from what I understand, it, it sounds like some of the first users of this were people like Navy SEALs, mm. NBA players like LeBron James, and the amount of work that they're putting in uh, far exceed exceeds uh, most normal people. So there has to be a formula built in where it's not just a linear progression of just, hey, an hour of work is just automatically going to bump you up the same amount. Right. Uh, you have to take into account these huge ranges of experiences, but put it on a scale small enough that it could be comprehended. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you, I guess you could have a scale of like a thousand, right? But right. It, it becomes less useful, right? right? Exactly. Um, and Whoop is all, cool. always learning, always learning. I shouldn't say learning. Well, yeah, I should say learning. The algorithm of Whoop, like it, it, it never stops learning you, right? So as you change and mm-hmm. grow as a human, right? The algorithm is going to adjust to new baselines and new, new day-to-day learnings, right? So the cool part about Whoop is that you don't ever have to go in and say, oh, I've started a new training methodology or oh, I've started a new this. Like you just got to continue doing what you're doing and, and Whoop will learn and adjust. Yeah. One of our coaches notices that when he coaches, uh, even for an hour, his strain is uh, much higher mm. than uh, even some of his workouts. Um, so I don't know if, if you can attribute that to anything in particular, uh, but he, he notices that, um, now, you know, given the workouts are generally less than an hour, so that might be part of it. But, um, one of the things that he's noticed is, uh, sometimes his, his strain really jumps up pretty high, yeah. um, even after one or two hours of coaching. Yeah, that's actually a great call out. Um, I love hearing that to me, that's a great coach. Um, that means that this person is active, is present, is giving literally all they have to that class. Um, that's what that tells me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. This is coach Justin for you guys who are listening and uh, you guys know that he's uh he can be a, uh, a former thespian. <laughs> so he brings that uh, acting uh, presence yeah. to, to coaching. Exactly. So. Then there you go. Yeah. I love it. Um, so what about weightlifters and people who do shorter workouts? Uh, I mean, you, you kind of alluded to it, but you know, a lot of these trackers will track um, volume, right? Amount of time working or, um, you know, uh, cardiovascular output. Um, yeah. But it seems like it's measuring more than just that. Mm. That if you do, a, let's say for Olympic weightlifters or crossfitters who are doing, you know, 10 to 20 minute workouts, um, who might feel gypped if they're wearing a Fitbit or other tracker that typically measures, you know, steps or, you right. know, you could just kind of fake it by just shaking right, your wrist. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think there's two pieces to that question. First one I'll address is, and this is a conversation we, I've, I've specifically had a lot with um, people who don't necessarily do like high cardiovascular type workouts, um, weightlifters, Olympic weightlifters, things like that. Um, something that's really important to know is that, you know, when we talk about strain on the body, um, whoop might not necessarily trying to word this correctly whoop might might not like pick up exactly necessarily how you're feeling in terms of if you're doing a one rep mac back squat right you are working as hard as you possibly can for those let's say 10 12 seconds right whoop obviously is going to jump and show your heart rate for those 10, 12 seconds, but it's not a long duration cardiovascular workout, right? So it's not going to give you like a 12 strain for that 12 seconds, right? It's going to give you a little blip of strain and say, wow, you worked really hard for that minimal amount of time. The important piece to know about whoop is that your body is, is gonna, you know, react to that training and your data, like the data from that training will populate basically in the next day and the following day, right? So if you're an Olympic weightlifter and you're using whoop in this capacity, it's not so much the immediate strain that you're trying to accumulate. It's how well are you sleeping post-training and what's your recovery score the following day, right? Mm -hmm. Chances are, if you do a really heavy session or a really hard lifting session, your recovery score the next day is not going to be great, right? And so that's basically your body saying, all right, Whoop knows that you pushed hard yesterday. Maybe you didn't get a ton of necessarily strain recorded, but Whoop knows that you pushed hard because it's giving you that lower recovery score and saying, all right, now today is like a taper day. You know what I mean? Um, so that's, that, that's like a really great example yeah. of why Whoop is beneficial for even that sort of training methodology. Yeah, and that makes sense because training like that is going to hit the central nervous system way more than something like a, uh, an hour long jog. Exactly. Right. Um, so we're just hitting different energy systems, which actually might be a good segue into recovery, uh, and talking about HRV, uh, what HRV is, um, how it's measured, why does it matter? Um, especially as it relates to more typical measurements like, uh, heart rate mm -hmm. versus heart rate variability. Yeah. So Basically, our recovery algorithm, algorithm takes into, into account four metrics, HRV, resting heart rate, sleep performance, and respiratory rate. Um, HRV being like the biggest indicator of how well you recovered. So there are 
books, resources, like there are so many things you could get, you could get lost in the internet reading about HRV, but um, I'll break it down like super simple. So HRV is heart rate variability. And easiest way to explain it for, for me and, and for, you know, general population is when I was growing up, you put your hand on your chest and you feel, you feel your heartbeat and you just, if you counted it, you just assumed that it was the same time. It was the same like timing of the beats for each heartbeat. Um, and there's actually milliseconds of a difference of a variance in between each heartbeat. And you want a variance. Basically, the variance in time between the heartbeats is your body telling you how how well it is adapting adapting to stress. Um, and it brings us to to I guess the segues right into like you know the HRV number in terms of your HRV score in the app, right? Um, HRV is a very individualized number. It's very genetic. Um, and it's not something that you can easily change. You can change it over time. It'll take, it'll take a little time, but it's not something that's going to be like, boom, overnight. I figured it out. I, I unlocked something. Um, and I'm there's no hack. Exactly. It. Exactly. It's just time and accountability and like, just truly, truly knowing yourself. Um, I think, you know, in my family, for instance, I, I'm pretty fit, you know, for 31 years old, I, I feel like I'm a pretty fit individual. Um, my sister and my brother, they're both younger than me. Their HRVs are like 150, 180. So in real, in mine hovers around like 50 on any given day, right? I go from like a 45 to like a 65 and 65 for me is like really great. Um, but I usually hover around like 55 for an HRV score. Um, and I think, you know, the journal feature definitely helps us to understand, you know, different toggles basically that we can turn on and off in terms of behavior change um, to help us understand, you know, what affects our HRV, literally everything. And everyone's, everyone's different, right? For me, um, I can tell you since one thing that I've learned, one big takeaway that I can tell you that I've taken from Whoop is... Hydration for me as an individual is very, very indicative of what my HRV score is going to be. If I go to bed and I know that I have not drank enough water in a day, I can literally tell you before I even wake up the next day that I'm going to be low yellow, high red recovery score because it's just, that's just how my body operates. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's so individual that it's basically an experience, uh, science experiment for yourself to figure out for you what keeps you above baseline for your HRV score? Um, there are so many things that come into play. Stress and anxiety, hydration, nutrition, training modality, sleep, um, alcohol. That's a big one. Um, alcohol is a huge HRV suppressor. And for anybody that drinks. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because I read some or uh, listened to some interesting things on your guys' podcast yeah. about alcohol and how how much it can affect people Oh yeah, and for how long. Yeah. I mean, so <laughs> literally my first week at whoop, um, I was fortunate enough to, to work really close with Kristen Holmes, our VP of performance. Um, and so I worked with her like every single day. And one thing that I learned from her on week one was she told me that alcohol can stay in your system and 
mess up your recovery score for up to four days after you've had a drink, <laughs> which is like, for me, like, I was like, oh, I thought, you know, a hangover happens. And then the following day, you're just like back to baseline. Like, no, like for, for some people, alcohol lingers for up to four days. And that's, that's huge. You know, like if, if four days from now I have like a big presentation like that for me, I'm thinking like, Hmm, do I want to have, do I want to like indulge this weekend? Like I'm doing something really important on Monday. Like for sure. I want to, so like, it's just one of those things where you have a little bit more awareness. Um, and different alcohols affect people differently, right? You have grain alcohols, you have, um, you know, vodkas, clear alcohols, beer, wine. So like they all affect everybody differently. I can tell you that tequila for me is something that honestly really doesn't mess up my recovery score so much. Um, wine, IPAs, you forget about it. I have one and I wake up with a terrible recovery score the next mm, day. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, alcohol. In general, Are you gluten sensitive? Say that again. Are you gluten sensitive? Um, so I, I don't have celiac, but um, we don't really eat gluten for the most part, Monday through Friday. And then on the weekends, like I'm not necessarily cracking, it's goes, you know, yeah. I'm not really looking at it that hard, but um, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering if that plays into the whole tequila thing. Although when you say wine, I mean, you know, uh, unless there's some sort of contamination, generally wine is uh, gluten-free, but yeah. higher in sugar content. Exactly, so exactly. That, and the different, the different additives there. that are in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One of our coaches definitely notices when he his nutrition affects his recovery score mm. a great deal. He's still figuring out like what exactly all of that is, mm -hmm. but he definitely notices if his recovery score is very different or has swung either way mm -hmm. it's generally because of his nutrition yeah so yeah and i like happiness plays a role too right so like sometimes like you have a stressful week all you really want is your best friend a glass of wine and some chocolate right or or something that really like makes your soul happy like sometimes those nights create um an atmosphere for your body and like your mind to just truly just Zen and relax. And then you wake up the next day and you're like 99% recovered and you're like, Holy crap. Like, what did I do? Oh, I actually relaxed and enjoyed myself, you know? Um, so we will pick up on that too, which is amazing. I like that a lot because HRV is like you said, the, 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 the timing between uh, heartbeats. Uh, and so it's going to be different, but, uh, what I'm hearing is that we like that to be higher, mostly because it's a, a state of readiness, right? Like if we have this, this elasticity in terms of, uh, being prepared for, um, the, that parasympathetic or sympathetic state, mm -hmm. right? Like that rest and digest or that fight or flight, um, then the, the more ready we are, the, the, the better we're off. Um, so that makes sense because, Maybe that one night, if you just need some wine and chocolate and just just to like relax, mm -hmm. um, that actually plays into the whole just rest and digest, just cool it, like calm down yeah. off a really crazy day, um, which I can appreciate from a 
um, nuance sense, right? Like I, I, I think a lot, a lot of times in science and, um, even though, you know, or people think science is just black and white, right? When it's mostly gray and when we're trying to apply it to people's lives, uh, where not everyone is the same, not everyone's living the same life, not everyone has the same genetics, not everybody has the same lifestyle. Um, so the same stimulus can affect people differently. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that Whoop can recognize that even in its algorithm. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about sleep. So a lot of people would think that you know going to sleep at ten o'clock and waking up at six a.m. is eight hours of sleep. Exactly. And so hey, I got eight hours of sleep. I should feel great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you guys think that's the wrong way to look at it, and so you break it down into even uh, deeper stages. So let's uh, or pun intended. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that. Yeah, um, I think apart from the alcohol piece of like findings and you're like first, whatever week or a few, few weeks on whoop. Um, you know, I think like within like the first three days, a new whoop user realizes how little they actually are sleeping. Um, which is kind of alarming, right? Like you said, you go to bed and you set your alarm for eight hours, you wake up every day and you, I mean, you could be 40 years old and that could be like your normal routine and you could be 40 years old and put a whoop on and realize you're only sleeping for six hours a night, um, which is crazy. Like you're missing out on two hours that you're in bed for what's happening um, or how can you get better at that? Yep. Right. Um, so whoop does a phenomenal job at breaking down your entire sleep cycle, basically when you fall asleep to when you wake up. And Whoop is tracking all of those different stages. It's tracking how many times you were disturbed. It's tracking how long you were awake for. Um, it's tracking how much light sleep you had, how much REM sleep you had, and how much slow wave sleep or deep sleep you had. So I just plugged all the different stages of sleep. So now we can kind of walk through them. Um, so awake is just that it's when you're actually awake you've you've cam- you've come out of actually being you know into a sleep cycle um the first stage of sleep is light sleep right so you come in and out of light sleep throughout the night um but ideally you know you don't want to have more than half of your entire night be dedicated to light sleep right because light sleep nothing is really happening other than your body is at rest it just means that your heart rate has gone past a certain threshold of knowing that it's fallen into a sleep cycle. Um, But nothing really happens there in terms of like muscle gains or memory or anything like that. Um, The next stage is REM sleep. So rapid eye movement. And for a lot of people, they know rapid eye movement as when dreams occur, which is accurate. Um, Dreams occur during rapid eye movement. It's also when memory is stored. It's also when like whatever happened during that day is downloaded into your brain. Basically Um, that's what happens during REM sleep. And then slow wave sleep, deep sleep is that's for, for a lot of people in, in fitness, that's, that's where the, that's that's the moneymaker. That's where gains are made. That's where muscles recover. That's where, you know, everything is rebuilt in terms of muscle and um, human growth hormone. That's, I believe the number is like 90 to 95%, like in terms of when human growth hormone is created and dispersed to the body, it is during the, that stage of sleep. Um, that's when that actually happens for, you know, the biggest percentage of when that 
happens for humans. So um, in terms of, you know, getting better at that stuff, man, we have, we've put out a lot of content on this specifically. We've made sleep playbooks. Um, Kristen Holmes actually made one. That's really amazing. Um, but something that I, that I learned um, from working at whoop is, you know, over the last two years I've done, and these are all things that like you can track in the, in the whoop journal, by the way, um, blue light blocking glasses, like after dinner time, you know, we're all glued to a screen at all times. Unfortunately, that's just, that's just how everyone kind of operates now. And even if you're not on your phone, if you're watching TV before bed, there's blue light on your TV. So a good thing to consider is, you know, if you're going to be in front of blue light, you should put some filter in front of your eyeballs. So your body knows to start winding down to get ready for bed. So you're not wired when your head hits the pillow. Um, so blue light blocking glasses is, is key. Um, I think, you know, timing food, not too close to bedtime is also important. Um, hydration throughout the day is important. Um, two things that were surprising to me that I didn't know were, were so important for, and obviously these are all individual to the person, but, um, things that were, were important for me to change were ambient light in my room. So things like an alarm clock, if you have an alarm clock next to your bed, you know, if you think about what happens when you fall asleep, your eyes behind your eyelids adjust to like total darkness, right? So in the middle of the night, when your eyes are like fully adjusted to total darkness, it's your eye, your pupils are going to pick up on that tiny little ambient light across the room. And it's going to cause your body to wake up to, to feel out like, oh, what's happening. So like instinctually as humans, um, we do wake up in periods of the night to just like show our, our brain and our body is aware of our surroundings. It's just like an instinctual thing that we do. Um, so ambient light in the room, getting rid of all of it. I read, I read even, um, sorry for interrupting. Oh, no, I read even uh, a study where they put a flashlight on someone's leg. So it wasn't even near their eyes. Uh, but the, something in the skin picked up the fact that there was a light source yeah. and it disturbed sleep. Yeah. So um, yeah, light matters a ton. Light matters yeah. a ton. Temperature in your room matters a ton. You want it colder rather than hotter, believe it or not. Um, colder is better for sleeping. Um, I think the sweet spot is like 62, 64 degrees or something like that. Like for a lot of people that's cold, um, but mm -hmm. it's better for the body. And, you know, like blackout, blackout curtains, right? Um, I think that that helps for ambient light and, you know, falling asleep and not having those types of disturbances. Obviously, like consistency also seems exactly to matter a lot. Exactly. That's what I was going to say, too. Um, having a consistent wake and bedtime um, body, our bodies love routine. Um, and if we stick to that, it'll it'll know basically day in and day out, you know, OK, it, now it's time to wind down. Um, and whoop has, whoop has the data and the graphs to show you all of those things, um, over time. Yeah. I think I had listened to a podcast where Kristen was explaining, uh, even someone who is getting, let's say six hours in bed. So not necessarily six hours of sleep, but six hours, uh, in bed, but as long as they were consistent with their, you know, bedtime, mm. uh, going to sleep and waking up, that was actually better than someone in bed for 
eight hours. Not saying this is the rule, but just in whatever you guys looked at, it was apparently a case where it was better to actually be more consistent because it just made the body more efficient. Uh, Because it sounds like what you guys are really measuring is how efficient we are with our sleep, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because maybe someone is in bed for six hours and actually gets, you know, five to six hours of real sleep. What I was one of the things I was blown away by was how much I'm awake or what, you know, stage wise is awake. Cause when I think of awake, I think of being awake and aware of, you know, my surroundings. But when I look at the whoop data, it's telling me, like, I just looked at it right now. I was awake for an hour and 20 minutes mm-hmm. last night. Now, my, you know, my five-year-old was up at one point, And so I had to put him back to bed, right. but that was only a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And so Without whoop, I would have said, "Yeah, I was awake. I was awake for you know ten minutes, and then I was I went back to sleep." But it said I was apparently awake for an hour twenty minutes, which is just mind blowing. Because you know, if you think you're getting even eight hours of sleep, because that's how long you're in bed, just taking off that time uh, from that awake stage is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it it also seems like in terms of uh, the two important stages the slow wave sleep and the REM sleep mm-hmm. that they're um, like the yin and the yang, or at least they, they, they cross paths in terms of when they occur. And um, so, so in other words, like when you first fall asleep, that's most likely when slow wave sleep will happen, which I think is um, uh, why you guys recommend naps, especially for athletes, mm-hmm. because if you get a, an hour and a half, two hour nap, you can actually hit another you know, wave of slow wave sleep in that nap, not necessarily REM, but, um, get that human growth homework going. And then the case for a long time in bed is that REM appears later in the night or, or when you're in, uh, when you're sleeping for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. So people who are looking to be sharp academically, you know, intellectually, whatever, um, it, that's, that's more, even more of a reason to get longer uh, periods of sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to your point, I mean, is that, is that, is that accurate? Yeah, it is accurate. Yeah. I mean, in terms of when slow wave sleep and REM sleep hit, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a cycle, right? So you're never in one stage for too long a period of time before you switch out the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, exactly that. Yes. I mean, you could dip down from a nap in an hour into a little bit of deep sleep and like actually get the benefit of that. It really just depends on kind of like your sleep habits and how well, how well you are sleeping in terms of that nap. I know for me specifically, I don't often dip down into deep sleep when I nap. Um, mostly because when I nap, mostly because when I nap, it's like on the couch and there's a million things going on. So I'm never really asleep, but um, what Whoop helped me understand is that the nap that I was taking really wasn't super beneficial. It was mostly me just waking up more tired. And now Mm. I understand why. Um, So yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, you're exactly right. Got it. Cool. So anything that you want to add? I mean, there, it can go so deep with all these, but is there anything that you want to add for either uh, strain, recovery, or sleep? As it, you know, because a lot of our folks again are are hearing about this for maybe the first time when they're listening to this. So um, I kind of want to just stay, you know, somewhat um, uh, basic. High level, but. yeah, yeah. I think you know, I, I kind of said this at the beginning when we were first kicking this off, but you know. I think for a lot of people, they think 
you know, Whoop and other fitness trackers are built, you know, for high capacity athletes. And for, in this case, Whoop is is not. Um, I mean, it is, but Whoop is for everyone, right? It's 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 literally built for any capacity of human that literally just wants to be a better performer in whatever capacity their life is. Um, and there are certain pieces of the app that you might never really be interested in. And that's okay. The, the, the purpose of whoop is for you to figure out where are the parts of your life that you need to improve on and whoop will help you call them out and then continue to push you in the positive direction. Yeah, it, it gives you data. Um, and I like the idea of a coach, mm-hmm. right? Because we're obviously very big on coaching um, within our space, uh, as you know. But the idea that, hey, not only is here's this data, but this is also how to it. approach things. So I really like the graphs and the, and the, and the coaching aspect of, hey, here's your recovery. And we're going to plot this. And here's your ideal strain so that you can still do stuff. But, uh, you know, if, if your recovery is in the yellow, maybe you go, you come in for a workout and we're going to treat it more like an active recovery day, which we, you know, when we have our people in our classes, we always, well, first of all, we have six different versions of the workout that they can choose from. And so, you know, maybe someone's a, a purple belt usually, but their, their recovery is in the yellow. And so we're like, Hey, look, you're going to do either blue or even orange Mm. because today you just need to move. Uh, but we, you know, if you want to perform well the day after today or whatever, maybe today we're going to take it, you know, relatively easy. Right. Exactly. Um, and then obviously sleep, you know, all of us can probably admit that we, we can get better sleep. So to make, you know, to create better awareness around that, uh, is obviously helpful. Um, now you guys just uh, announced a partnership with um, CrossFit and CrossFit Games. Um, so do you want to talk about that a little bit and what that you know could mean for Roop, for CrossFit, for you know just the ecosystem? Yeah, yeah. I think it, it gives us an ability to grow even more um, within the CrossFit community across basically all all facets of, of what that means. Right, having a bigger presence at the games, being able to. Um, you know, really touch and work with facilities just like yours in a bigger capacity. Um, you know, I think this is just the beginning of of where Whoop kind of stands in the CrossFit community. Um, it'll be really exciting to see what we what we do this year for sure. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. Um, and for those of you guys who have never seen one, um, you know, I'm on video. I actually have my battery pack on because I have to charge mine. Um, one of the things I was most impressed by as I was unpackaging this was just the aesthetics because, you know, if you're trying to, you know, market something to both men and women and have it be something where you're not even needing to look at it, but they have to wear it 24 seven. I mean, this thing needs to be sleek. Um, you know, it has to be, um, it has to be something where it's not going to be, um, distracting. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it, and, particularly something like the battery pack where you don't even have to take it off to charge it. That was, to me, that was one of the, the coolest um, 
things. Maybe I'm just getting old. Uh, <laughs> but it, it was one of those like, hey, these guys have clearly thought about how people should be using this and the fact that it should be aesthetically pleasing, obviously functional, um, and long lasting, you know, cause I, it sounds like you guys also have things like a hydro sleeve for swimming. Um, I mean, it is waterproof, but, um, you know, the, you have special sleeves where if you don't want it on your wrist, you can have it on your upper arm, yeah. um, a sleeve just for swimming. Like you guys have definitely, um, made it accessible for people, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at like a million different colors on my desk right now. You know, there's so many different accessories that you can play around with. It's great. So if someone was interested in Whoop, um, now for us, for, for we, we do have a, an affiliate site, um, join.whoop.com slash Kana, K-A-N-N-A. Um, but what does, you know, this is not something that they're just going to buy once and have forever in the sense of, um, you know, a more typical wearable because of the technology behind it a subscription service makes more sense for you guys. So can you give us a range of like what that might look like price-wise for people just so they have an idea? Yeah. Um, So actually let me pull up. So I'm not um, messing up your pricing structure. Um, Yeah. Or even, or even ballpark. Yeah. No, I I have it right here. Um, I mean, basically in terms of, of what you're paying for, right. The, the, when you sign up for a whoop, membership, the device is free, right? We, we send you the device and you're paying for the analytics and the actual like profile within our app. Um, though when you join whoop, you basically have three options. You can choose the month to month membership, which is the highest price point of $30 per month. Um, or you could go the 12 or the 18 month membership which is a prorated cost. So you're paying for the entire length of that term up front. Um, so 12 month membership is like 260 for the year um, at full cost, not, not, not the price that you guys have. Um, and then the 18 month membership is a little under 300. Um, and so with your, with the, with the Kana discount, um, your members can take $30 off of any of those pricing structures um, so it's a, it's actually, yeah, it's, it's a significant discount for the, for all three memberships really. Yeah. So guys, if you're listening to this and you are interested in whoop, go to join.whoop.com slash Kana. And not only, let's say you do choose the 18 month membership already built in is the price reduction because you're committing to a longer period time period. But in addition to that, you will also get money off, um, so it can come down to, you know, mid teens in terms of dollars per month. Yeah. So um, when I think about it, it's like, hey, what's a return on investment, right? Whenever I'm going to pay for something, I want to know ROI. Right. And it's like, hey, if this gets me to sleep better, if it gets me to eat better, if it gets me to train more smart, uh, then, it, you know, the ROI in that is even immeasurable. But in the sense of like, I feel better, I am performing better. Um, you know, which obviously makes me, uh, a better business owner, a better husband, a better father, um, which are all good things. And I'm more than willing to pay the, you know, anywhere from, you know, 16 to $30 a month to do that. Exactly. Right? Um, I think one thing to call out and, and kind of piggyback off of that is, um, you know, quite literally our know yourself campaign, 
you know, you know a lot about a lot, but how much do you know about yourself? And Whoop will help you unlock that. Mm. I love that. Yeah. Super cool. So if people wanted to follow Whoop um, or, or even you, Tim, uh, where could they go? Uh, what should they be looking up? Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Whoop. Just search Whoop. You'll find us. Um, I'm W-H-O-O-P. W-H-O-O-P. Yep. Um, if you want to follow me, by all means, go for it. I'm probably not as cool, but um, Tim underscore trainer um, on Instagram. Look, if you're wearing a backwards hat, you're automatically cool. Plus, honestly, because you are honestly, a... Honestly, I'll, I'll let my hair down. I'm growing out my hair right now in quarantine. So I, I had to wear a hat for those triggers. I couldn't... I couldn't... I love couldn't, it. couldn't not. Um, have you heard of nominal determinism? I have not. So nom- nominal determinism is when your name matches up with what you do. So you're you're a trainer. I am. You're a coach, right? So... so And you're your name is Tim trainer. So it's like, uh, you know, John Fisher who loves fishing, fishing yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> your name has determined what you do. So nominal determinism. Yeah. That's, my, uh, my autocorrect in my phone hates when I try to use the word trainer in the capacity of a gym rather than my last name. <laughs> I love it. Um, the last question that, uh, I always ask people is, uh, what's on your personal bucket list? So before you kick the bucket, what are, what are some things you want to get done in your life? Either this could be travel, this could be experience. This is, you know, it could be anything. Hmm. I would love to experience. I'm a big travel guy. I love to travel. So one of uh, my bucket list items um, is going to Greece with my family. Would love to go to Greece. It's just a place that I've always loved to love to explore. Um, and I would love to road trip all the national parks in the United States. Ah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, You gotta, most of those are are out West. So yeah, that would make for a good road trip. I would also love to be able to back squat 500 pounds and run a mile in less than five minutes, but I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. What's his face? Just just did that, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm blacking on his name, but Adam, he trains with, uh, Adam, with Ben Smith. Adam Clink. Yeah. Uh, Clink. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And he was, uh, yeah, he's a former soccer player as well. Yeah. So, uh, so I got something. Hey, you have the experience of doing it. Go. So yep. yeah, I got something. You got something going for yeah. you. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, uh, guys, again, if you're interested in Roop, follow him on Instagram. Um, and again, if you're lo- interested uh, in helping us as an affiliate, but also um, getting even more of a, a discount, go to join.whoop.com slash Kana. Um, and we'll post that in the uh, show notes as well. All right, Tim, thanks a lot for your time. Absolutely. This is great.